Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,824. 24 has some significance here because today I'm talking with Mr. Lamal. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Hobro, Denmark, with a very special guest by the name of Tom Christensen. Tom, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear? Are you ready to release the clutch? Um. I'm ready. Thanks for having me, and uh, I look very much forward. Well, uh, you are always ready, and Tom and I were talking a little bit, and this will all make sense as we move into the show here today, but, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people, and he's guest number 1824, and those two numbers have a significance in his life. 18 Le Mans races in a row, and of course, Le Mans is the race of 24 hours, so I don't, I didn't plan this, Tom. I think it's just serendipity that you and I are talking today. And before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people may not know about you? Hmm. What I'm passionate about, I don't know, many things. It could, I don't know. I mean, being from Denmark, I'm from a little Viking town called Hobro. So um, just looking out of the window here, I see this beautiful fjord running in between the streets of uh, of my little town and just imagine that uh yeah thousand years ago the vikings they uh, they left uh, surely in their big big boats or ships uh, from this place i don't know maybe people don't know that that's how or maybe that was a little bit of a passion i had within the racing community trying to uh, or being able to to um work and drive and have a passion for racing cars instead of uh, these uh, Viking ships. Well, in a way, you are a Viking, my friend, because you ventured off around the world and drove just about every car there was to drive. Uh, You conquered lands, you conquered racetracks, and then you retreated back to this peaceful, beautiful part of the world to relax and recoup and rethink and and look forward to the next great adventure. So uh, that's a nice correlation there, Uh, a beautiful part of the world that you live in as well. Yeah, it's, I, I think it, it it just came up. I mean, I do like to play soccer or playing other sports and have fun with with uh, with friends in, a, in 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 team sports. But I have to say, and now I'm I'm just a little old, maybe a bit more boring than I used to be. But I enjoy my family. I enjoy seeing my uh, my kids uh, happy with with the exploits their direction they are going. So I don't know. There's probably not many things that people. Uh, not necessarily doesn't know about me. Well, now you're an open book because that's what we're going to be talking about today, a new book. So let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into your world of racing and this fabulous new book. Uh, My wife had to come out last night and say, you know, it's kind of late. You got an early call tomorrow with Tom. You need to get to bed as, as I was devouring this book that I just got. Between 1997 and 2014, Tom Christensen won the world's toughest motor race, the Le Mans 24 Hours, a record nine times 
That's right, nine times and finished on the podium on five more occasions. He raced Le Mans for 18 years, as I said, every time his car made it to the finish. In fact, he was the top, he was in the top three each of those times. And it's no wonder that this great sports car driver is known as Mr. Le Mans to motorsports fans around the world. Now retired from racing, as he said in his new boring life, I have a feeling it's not that boring, Tom shares in this new book, which is titled Mr. Lamar, his deepest personal reflections and insights from inside and outside of the cockpit. He looks back at over 30 years spent striving for perfection in racing and tells of the battles, the setbacks, and sometimes seem, what sometimes seem impossible to overcome, including a terrible accident in 2007. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about Tom and this new book, but first a word from our valued sponsors, so give them a listen, give them a little love, keep your seatbelts on, Rit Lamont today, we're going to be moving fast, we'll be right back. Did you know the most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior is the sun? Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time, cracking the dash, fading colors, and the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you and me. Their quality-made sunscreens are easy to use, take seconds to install and to remove, and they protect your vehicles while parked in the sun if using a cover isn't a good option. I have one for every one of my cars. They come in a variety of colors and options, and their accordion design makes unfolding and folding them up for storage as cool as the summer breeze. Your sunscreen comes custom tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. Here at Cars Yeah, I've got a savings just for you. Use the code YAH21, that's Y-E-A-H, Two one at Covercraft.com and they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, Tom. So let's uh, dive a little deeper into the corner, something you've done many, many times. And I want you to share, kind of go back. Now, we can't cover it all in this show. And I don't want to give away all the secrets of this book because it is... It is so in-depth. There's 431 pages in this thing. I mean, it is a huge, huge book. But let's kind of go back a little bit and have you share your progression through your racing career. And then we're going to dive in a little bit later here into Le Mans specifically. But you've driven lots of different cars on lots of different tracks. So my friend, take the wheel. 
Yeah, I guess, Mark, it doesn't, it, it started on a gas station. I was homeborn on this gas station where I uh, grew up to see, uh, yeah, obviously many cars coming in, getting refueled, but at the same time, it was also refueling for my, uh, my dad because in the workshop, he was preparing uh, his racing cars that was mainly touring cars it could be ford escorts or it could be rallycross cars from uh, from opal chevrolet he was he was driving all kinds of cars and and to feel this unique atmosphere of of the these guys bonding trying to make the the next trick on the car trying to optimize it for the next race where they would either maybe he would roll the car or he would uh, retire with a with a failure or Sometimes he uh, he uh, even won races because he was uh, he was goddamn good. He was very fast, but he didn't have a lot of great success due to the humble beginnings. But that that put a seed or saw a seed in myself, and um, and I definitely wanted to achieve something with uh, with karting. So I started with these little go karts, and I begged my dad um, buying me uh, one after he took me. To a, to a rental cards a few times. And I was uh, eight years old, I was then nine years old, and I got my first card. And that's how it started, uh, going to the, the small go-kart tracks where the, the, some of the young um, boys working at the fuel station, they just had driver license, and, and my dad asked them to drive me to, to these go-kart tracks. And I, I had my first my first feeling of throwing the car the card into the corner and sometimes throw it a bit too fast and not getting out of the corners as well and that was uh, that was the the very beginning of my uh, of my racing career a, a great mixture of seeing my dad seeing the way the they were bonding and um, and then starting to to look for my own career with 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 karting, and I certainly didn't think of it as a career back then, but it was something I really wanted to spend my time with. There are some great pictures in this book of you with your folks at that gas station. I think it's great. And then your early karting career, which is pretty common for professional drivers to evolve through the karting time. But let's fast forward into when you got into... Carts are real race vehicles, but real race cars, let's say, because you've driven a lot of different vehicles. When people think of you at Le Mans, they typically think of you, you know, being in an Audi, but you've driven Porsche, you've driven even British cars. I mean, everything. So kind of and open wheel cars. So let's kind of progress through these different vehicles that you drove. Yeah, my whole career has been that I have not been able to sort of to put my own direction or pinpoint my own direction. I, I had sort of to... Uh, I have to beg people a few times and I have to impress people. I have to get the feedback, uh, hopefully a positive one that I could drive their cars. And that was uh, so So the route of my racing career has been incredibly versatile. And that was also in play for 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 actually for being the title of the book that I was one you could call um, uh, as a Mr. Versatile. And it was probably would also have been more more correct, but nevertheless, the Le Mans race, as as we know, is is very much where my my career headed. But driving all these cars from karting, going into Formula cars, Formula Two Thousand to Formula Three, back to touring cars, the front wheel touring cars, the four wheel drive Group A cars, 
a Group C car for a test and a drive, back to Formula 3000, then into sports prototypes, and then back to touring cars in BTCC, then to DTM cars with the V8. So it's all a mixture of everything. And then sometimes during the winter, we have the this race of champions where we all gather from different disciplines and go head to head in rally cars and, 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 and buggies. And it's also a, a, a great mix of, of different way, different driving style, different um, um, culture, and certainly people from different countries all around uh, a, a great mix of, of experience, which I truly enjoyed. You drove just about everything, and I would assume that all these experiences culminated when you got to Le Mans and started driving Le Mans and understanding it. And, you know, there's a couple... Uh, people in your life, and they're listed at the beginning of this book, Dan Philipson and Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich, who uh, say some very nice things about you. Uh, at the same time, these are people that I would assume are inspirational mentors of yours. Are, are these some key mentors in your life? I'm sure you learned a lot along the way, but influential people that helped move you through your career? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich, was, uh, he was a boss, managing boss of Audi Sport. So for sure, my very successful part at Le Mans, um, most of the years has been with Audi. I've drove, driven initially with Porsche winning at Le Mans, but also with BMW, with Bentley, and with private team owners. But by far, uh, the teams I've driven the most with and for the longest time has been under the, the guidance uh, of Dr. Ulrich as my, my sports chef. But in generally, I, I think from the beginning, I, I, I was... Um, I've always been, there's been people who look for this versatile. I mean, in, in America, I mean, Mario Andretti was a guy I was at, I was nine years old. I was at the Understock Grand Prix and I took a, a picture of Colin Chapman embracing Mario Andretti, who just had run out of fuel from the lead of the Grand Prix, which was then won by, by Nicky Lauda in, in this um uh, illegal Brabham car, or at least the regulation was changed right after due to the, the this was the fan car, you remember? Oh, yeah, the BT46. Creating the underscuba aerodynamically at the diffuser. So so in, uh, I took a picture of, 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 of him there, and he looked a bit like my dad. My dad had a little bit of the Italian uh, look on, on him like uh, like a good old Mario has. And uh, I think Jang Yix at Le Mans is also a guy which um, which very much I like the, the way that they have been able to perform. And, and, and those guys have been able to perform at a very high level in different categories. This inspired me. And this is something which I said, whenever I'm asked to drive a car, I should just say thank you very much and then get on with it. That's sort of a, a nice uh, a nice plight, a nice uh, uh, way to go about it. And I would say all my career, it has been uh, when I was, I have done that. And even nowadays, I do it a little bit with, uh, I will say, with a different hat on, a bit more fun, a bit more relaxed, but in historic racing. So when, when I go to some of these meetings, it could be the Goodwood Revival, could be some historic meetings in around the world. I uh, I jump in, in in different cars, and I really love the heritage of that too. Well, it's amazing because when you think about 
historic racing for you to get to now get into these old cars and have fun with them because it is relatively safe compared to the kind of racing you did. Uh, It's got to be a blast. Do you have a favorite historic car that you've driven at Goodwood or another track? Yeah, it's it, in in Goodwood. There's there's some there's sort of three main races: the Kenrara Trophy. I drove. Uh, um, looking at a picture here, 250 uh, GTO Ferrari, uh, the short wheelbase, lightweight, wonderful car, and, and yeah. <laughs> we, we 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 won no, from pole. And I had not sit, been sitting in the car before uh, before that very day. Uh, that was a lovely, wonderful uh, evening running it into the dusk and, and finishing the race, a one-hour race. That That's a beautiful car. But also a muscle car like a seven-liter um, uh, Ford Galaxy or Ford Fairlane. Yeah. I drove those two to to uh, to victory in the St. Mary's Trophy. These are, of course, a very powerful and wonderful cars, which has to be driven absolutely sideways. And uh, it's a lovely feeling when they are coming out of the corners. And then the feeling when you're getting into the corners, when you're reaching the breaking points, it's the opposite. It, it, fear becomes a very much a word you uh, you are looking to, to um, because the brakes are not very not very good, not very efficient. So uh, every braking point uh, the you you start to to spell to hope and uh, and making sure that you can get the car in and and then you at the apex you are sideways again and everything is wonderful. Sounds like fun. Now let's get back to Le Mans. When you think about all the years racing Le Mans, endurance racing like that, is there one favorite aspect of this? Because as I read in your book, you were a guy that didn't just get in the car and go. You were involved with the team. You brought The team was like a family to you. You brought everybody in. You walked the tracks. I mean, you're a guy that crosses every T, dots every I several times. So is there an aspect of this race that is the favorite part of it for you? I think when you when, when now when we have done the book and we are reflecting on it, it, it comes quite easy to sound that way. But I think any driver comes to Le Mans, you understand the importance of it. Just when you enter the gates of Le Mans, when you enter and do your first laps around Le Mans, you realize this is a circuit which is much longer than any other racetrack you drive on. You you are three and a half minutes at least, you are away. And you are away on a very high level because average speed, I mean, you can translate to miles per hour, but average speed in is... a uh, is normally around the 240, 245 kilometers per hour wow. <laughs> uh, of uh, of these clear laps you have, and um, and you you are not going below. You you are like close to 220 on average in in race speed over the 24 hours, including half an hour of pit stops. So you have to move fast. And of course, what's special at Le Mans is is, uh, is the night. It is the nature of you have the four or five different categories. So with the 60 cars, you you will. You constantly have to sort of cut the butter, making sure that you are you are passing uh, smoothly, efficiently, but all the way, all the time, fast and consistent. So it is a big task on everyone. So to be prepared nowadays, you need to be prepared. And I think that's where you, you feel this ticking all the boxes. I've driven for Japanese teams. I've driven for British teams. I've driven for American teams. And of course, with the with the German teams, which I most often did. And it was very important that you get this right attitude and trust and respect with your co-drivers, your teammates. Uh, they become the most important uh, persons during that week in your whole life. 
and the same uh, gathers for the mechanics and engineers. It is um, it is so so vulnerable. Small things makes a big difference. It can be so so you tend to be quite focused, and I guess that's what Dr. Ulrich is uh, touching on in his uh, in his nicely foreword when he he sometimes say that Tom he was he was always focused. Sometimes he was even seemed to be not happy. But to be honest, I was I was just kind of always making sure I took advantage of the opportunities which I now had. Because when I was a young kid or when I was young in racing, there was many years, there was thousand days where nobody um, could really care about having me as their number one driver. So I had to find my way and fight your way. And then you have to take advantage of, of when people really put you in the right spot. And I am very privileged and happy about that. The old saying that every racer that's I've interviewed, and I've interviewed hundreds, is never, ever, never, ever give up. That's <laughs> those are the the words. Now, if you were going to advise a young racer coming into racing or has been in racing but wants to go race Le Mans, and there's probably a lot of advice you could give them, but maybe you could touch on a couple things you would say to this this young person. Making sure that they they live in in the on, on sh- in, in the short term that they enjoy what they are doing. Uh, they and they should, um, of course, they should have dreams and they should really dream it, but not necessarily tell that to uh, to everyone. Just have have your dreams, believe in your dreams, and then be working passionately with the people around them. Uh, they they should be able to communicate what we want to achieve, what, why we are going racing, and they should have this mutual respect to the people helping them. And to them, they owe everything they can. Tell them what they want to achieve. Tell them the feedback they want to um, to have. But the, the, your own dreams are free, and they should be as as high as possible. But if you want to put it in slowly but truly, um, I have my big nine. So that's a dream. It make it uh, visible to everyone. Make it a realistic uh, goal. Set your targets, and then go forward. But certainly in the beginning, it's all about. Um, making sure that you get the support from the people close to you. And also they should get some knowledge about what you're doing so they are able to be uh, the your best, uh, let's say, positive critic, but not just a critic out of, or, you know, uh, the motherly uh, critics. You need, uh, you need some, you need some um, very, what do you call it, spot on critics to, uh, to help you go forward from the people you respect the most. Absolutely. Wonderful advice. The big nine, as you put it so casually. Oh, my. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Let's take a, a real short break here. We come back. I want to talk about a big challenge because racing is all about challenge and you've had a few of those in your career. So sit tight, keep the seatbelts on and we'll be right back with the great Tom Christensen. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And coming soon, something new for you Cars Yeah listeners. I'll be teaming up with Craig Jackson on the first ever Barrett-Jackson podcast, coming to your mobile devices every week. Listen here on Cars Yeah and check out the Barrett-Jackson website for unique details on this new exciting podcast that I'm very proud to be a part of. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Don't forget when you're subscribing to use the code CARSYEAH and you'll get $10 off your subscription. You're welcome. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. All right, we're back. So I always ask my guests about a big challenge. It almost seems ridiculous to ask racing guests here on Cars Yeah about challenges because racing is all about challenging. One weekend, you're a champion. The next weekend, you might be a chump. You never know. But let's <laughs> talk about a big, big challenge. In your book, you talk about many, many of these things that you overcame. Of course, one of them I mentioned in your intro, a very big shunt that you had. Whatever you want to talk about is up to you. But more importantly, is that the lesson that that situation taught you, as painful as it might have been at the time, and then how you took that lesson forward to race again yeah but i mean a setback of i don't i don't wish that for anyone of course but but to be to be out of function with your 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 body your mind your uh, let's say um it was very difficult i was in incredibly dizzy and i had really a lot of uh, pain for a long time but any racing driver having to to quit due to an accident that's that's really something which i i don't wish to anyone and that sort of kept me uh kept me going uh and 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 sort of overcome that mentally to to jump into the car but the the, the, the thing was that le mans was coming surely but truly within a couple of months there was le mans but that was what i overcame i didn't want to miss that Le Mans, but that became a difficulty. But it, I, uh, I pushed myself uh, to do it. I pushed myself to say that's I'm, I'm ready for it. And it also went, it also went well. But it, it, it was, uh, it was a very difficult time if, of my life. There was a lot of good people around me saying that I could relax, and uh, I could even have a, a good life now and and retire at uh, uh, meaningfully. But but that was no way I was I was gonna do that. So um, it, I was nice and happy to come back racing. And and later on, 
uh, yeah, I mean, eight years later, seven, eight years later, I, I decided to call it a day and retire myself due to uh, age, gray hair, and uh, let's say my <laughs> visibility at night. So that was important for me. But uh, I don't necessarily know what you take away of great lessons, but you learn, you, you, you get to know that it's the small things in life. Uh, it's, it's the people who are close to you. It's the people you see and you, that, that's is something uh, that you, um, you never ever should neglect. You should always remember that the people uh, close to you in these, uh, these cases are, again, we talked about it before, when you start your racing career, it's a, it's a networking of people close to you, not only family, but me mechanics, friends, technicians. These uh, really become important when you are going, uh, when you're going through uh, things like what I, uh, I did in, in this period. Yeah, you mentioned in your book, you talked about after that, thinking about your wife and kids and what would they have done without you? I mean, these are things you run through your mind and then you want to get them out of your head as fast as possible uh, because they yeah. will restrict you most definitely. That particular race was 07, is that right? Yeah, that was 07. But yeah, but that period you mentioned is is really kind of short because um, it it uh, it it was uh, quite soon after. I mean, I realized that everything was good, but you I I have been reading this uh, this book uh, which I also refer to in in my own the the miracle in the Andes uh, by uh, Nando Perraro. Oh yes, yes. That's just an uh, astonishing book and there's a lot of things there which any human uh, person uh, at times um, uh, go through in their mind and in their thinking. And in a way, they, they have to, but hopefully they don't repeat that. But a few times, I think it's very healthy just to see that um, life is fragile and you should treat it uh, with, uh, with due respect. You should do and, and, and absolutely compete in what you love doing. And that's racing cars. And what is funnily about that is that he went there as a, uh, as a, as a soccer player, but in the end of the day, or a football player. But, but nevertheless, Nando Parado, his biggest passion or largest passion in, in, in the world is actually racing cars. So uh, that's uh, where we met at, at, a, at a race in Goodwood. I was introduced by, by Jackie Stewart to wow. him. And then, um, and then when I read his, his book, there are some very, life lessons which uh, anyone uh, ought to read no kidding yeah and what a wonderful thing to get to meet him as well that book is is just absolutely incredible and when you think about this book of yours what's one thing about it that you're most proud about the book itself <laughs> mm, yeah it's i let's say it's my life it's the the full circle done in in many ways you know when you do a when you do a autobiography about your your life as a racing driver so i have been happy to that hopefully people can be in, inspired to follow their dreams like we we spoke about earlier i mean what i enjoyed the most was the pictures uh, what was difficult was to nail the pictures because of course, to get one picture in, I, I, I left 20 out. So it was, uh, it was a difficult part, but it was a lovely part. And that's when I really, uh, you can say, revisited the journey of my life in racing. Because uh, a lot of photographers, they, yeah, we, I see what I have in my archive. And many of them were, of course, back when it was, or most of them were back when they were there in paper. 
So um, uh, the photographers did a, a great job of, of putting a lot of these in. And Dan, as you mentioned earlier, the author with me or the co-author, he made sure that he wanted the pictures to tell a story more than I wanted the 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 pictures when uh, when we, we, the the beautiful pictures or the when the car looked aggressive or or when we as person looked better than on others but no he wanted the more or less the the pictures reflecting closer to the story as possible so um, I hope it all give a, a sense of meaning when when you go when you go through it but um, it's difficult for me to say then that's it that's me and then there's uh, three other journalists putting a part of where I have not been able to touch anything. So they have reflecting a little bit, you can say, from the other side of the fence, or maybe you can say from the uh, from the gate in the paddock or outside the tent or whatever. For that part, I'm very happy they have joined, and they, there's a lot of things which I ought to say, oh, really? Did they see it like that? Or did this, which, uh, which I think is healthy. So it's not just us wheeling everything off, but it came back from... From uh, from the other other side as well. Nice job, Dan. Nice job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he did a great job with that because the first thing I did was glance through the book, look at the photographs. I'm a visual kind of guy. I come from a marketing background, graphics background. Good. Yeah. And that then pulled me in to go. Okay, I want to read about this. So, uh, Dan, you did a great job. Now you're so-called retired, but you're not the kind of guy that's going to sit on the porch and watch the river go by your house. So, what's uh, some more bucket list items for you, Tom, that you really want to accomplish in your life? Yeah, I mean, I maybe get a river next to my house would be <laughs> nice. But, uh, no, but I mean, we we can see the fjord. Bucket list? I don't know. I mean, I love. Um, I, I love motorsport and the passion of being involved uh, is still um, very uh, uh, attractive and a, a privilege for me. I work with the FIA. I work with uh, with television, with Formula One. I also work at, um, at Le, Le Mans race itself uh, around the, the TV role there as well. Mm-hmm. And and then I have invested in, in small, I would say, yeah, not necessarily starts up anymore, but in companies like uh, a small fitness chain in Denmark, there's a, a, a chain of um, of a bit of uh, products for men and women in terms of of, of lifestyle, of uh, of clothing, shoes, books, uh, uh, other accessories in that sense. Yep. So yep. Uh, it's things which I'm interested in. My brother uh, runs a, a travel company for motorsport formula one and le mans and and of course in the, during the covid times it has been incredibly uh, difficult because it has been completely closed down but things like that is is what i um, what i care for and I'm, what i'm happy to be involved with and all of it is is mainly started through my uh, my connection with motorsport and i'm a proud uh, testimony with a with a watch uh, company rolex and they are, of course, supporting all the, the fantastic uh, races we have around the world, from the top line of motorsport to the historic side of Pebble Beach, or Rolex 24, Le Mans, Formula One, and Goodwood. So it is very difficult to say that I'm, I, I need something on my, um, my bucket list. It would be, I will always run slower, I will always cycle slower, I will always race slower. 
but I would like to limit the slower the the, the line over the years with time. Uh, that's maybe uh, of my bucket list, meaning enjoying uh, still to be competitive because co the competitive edge is what took me to where, let's say, uh, where I am today. But it's always to be able to make sure you do it with, um, I don't know what you say, twinkle in your eye. Yes. Uh, yes. Get it with uh, in the right uh, style. And that means that you need to be surrounded by passionate people. So in, in many ways, we say in Denmark, yeah, it, it's not good unless it's a bit of fun. And uh, and that's that's probably what I like to to fill my bucket with. If it isn't from the water from the from the river, I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's talk about specific cars. I typically ask my guests for a very special car in your life. In this case, let's talk about a very special car you raced at Le Mans because you've driven lots of different cars there. Is there one that you could pick out, maybe just for today, that stands out and and share a great memory about what that ride was like for you one stands out anyone stands out of these 18 years it was all different cars but there was one model and that was in let's say when i when when I, in the middle of my sort of le mans years i had this rolling stint where i, I won five times in a row i actually won six times in a row but five of these victories were with the audi r8 lmp1 so it's an audi r8 which uh, later the 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 board of management at Audi decided to 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 name the road car, the, the let's say the middle the middle engine road car, their sports car for the for the road today is called an Audi R8. But the name came from the car which we um, very much had great success with at Le Mans, and the five times it won, I was one of the drivers uh, every time. We also won the American Le Mans series back in the beginning of the noughties going around to the different states and lovely lovely and wonderful circuits in the North of America and, and, and Canada. And that was a, a great time. And the car uh, is, is, was able to, we could optimize, we could change the setup, we could change the aerodynamics, we could change the, the whole suspension to kind of suit a different uh, circuit like the 12 hours at Sebring, which is the most bumpy and uneven surface on the planet. But we like it. We love that challenge and driving it into um, late March, let's say for us, kind of summer evening, but a spring evening. And it could fit uh, Donington or it could fit um, Road America, Laguna Seca. We could also be competitive at Harama and, of course, at the big one, the 24 hours of Le Mans in, uh, in June. So I would say that car... Uh, was for Audi uh, very, very important and was sort of the fundament of of the sports car. Let's say it was a magnificent uh, racing car. And, of course, we are now very proud of it. I have a road car, an R8, one of the initial one within the V8 engine. I mean, nowadays you will probably have the, the V10, but uh, I have it with um with an H-pattern uh, gearbox, and um, that car means uh, means a lot to me. So if I want to be reminded a little bit about our R8 days in racing, then I can drive that and I can reflect on a, on a great time with Audi and the Audi Sport Team years, the Audi Champion Racing, Audi Sport Team Go, the Japanese team, where and my, my teammates and myself had such uh, fond memories from. The R8 
is so cool. I had a friend, Duncan Dayton, who was running Highcroft Racing. And uh, I got to go to watch. Yeah, I got to watch uh, one of his races, his team race at Miller Motorsport Park. And Audi brought the new road car R8s and got to drive one around the track. And it was the first time they were new. They were so wild and different looking. And you brought back that memory. And then this past weekend, I went to a car show here locally and I followed two brand new R8s up the freeway that came buzzing by me and I had to tuck in behind them, of course. They enticed me. (laughs) I've always thought that was a beautiful looking car and the race car, race car version of it was spectacular and incredible. So that's wonderful. Now I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here, a bit of a psychiatrist, if you will. This is a very unique question that I'm betting nobody's ever asked you, but I'm going to give it a shot. If you were a Lamar race car, Tom, you are manifest as a vehicle. This is your personality in a Lamar race car. Which one would you be, but more importantly, why? I'm fascinated by the the shape, for sure, of yeah the Porsche 917. Ooh. I'm fascinated about the Ferrari, the 330 from 67. Oh, I gosh. think it's yeah. the P. I think it's a, the P4 is the last one they made. It's P3 or P4, but it's yeah. from my birth year, 1967. But at the same time, it was um, the Ford GT winning back then. So it's a mixture of those cars are incredible because they are they are the what you can say your childhood inspirational. But I can't get out of the the the, the Audi R8 uh, as well. So you you need to put that one in because at the end of the day. A psychiatrist, I would probably say, what what, what do you dream of, or how do, would you be successful? Right. And then at least I can put the testament that the, with the Audi R8, it, it was it was never too bad. No, not not never too bad. <laughs> nice way to put it. You listed some pretty spectacular cars there. 917s, a P3, P4. I mean, holy cow! But all of them had a special place in Lamar history. I, I, I like the, and I followed also after my career a lot of the Le Mans history. I mean, I, I driven the, I've driven the the Bentley, which made fastest lap in 1923 at the very first race, and then Bentley won in 1924. I've driven that Bentley or tested that Bentley. I've driven uh, the the Ferrari, the 166, uh, the one for uh, which is it's a 12 cylinder, but it's it's a two liter, so it's not very powerful. It's very, but it's still pretty cool. After Ferrari, I did the I did the Ford, the GT. They won in like uh, 66, 67, 68, I think, in that uh, era. And I drove one, the one from the, um, they have in the museum. I drove the Matra, the Matra Simca. Oh, it was the, the winning car with uh, LaRousse and the Pescarolo. Mm-hmm. I think it's from 72 or 73. And, um, and now I hopefully will get on and drive a few other cars from either winning or very successful at, at, at Le Mans. But um, for my own car, the most elegant I drove uh, was the Bentley from 2003. It's a very beautiful race car and a damn hot race car and a very, uh, let's say, edgy in direction change, but um, a very beautiful car. And the most, let's say, initially a beast, very tough to drive was the Audi R10 with a, with a V12 TDI engine. Uh, the weight distribution, very, very tough. And I, I think you mentioned your friend Duncan Dayton before, and I think that was 
kind of the time where he was racing with us in the States. And um, I've also seen him a few times jumping into a historic F1 car and not necessarily waiting for someone. That shows that um, a lot of good people with with a big heart for uh, for the right cars. Yeah, Duncan um, and his brother uh, Judd, his brother Judd has a 250, you mentioned, short wheelbase. And I was at the Cavallino event years ago, and he was there. I, it was the first time I met him personally. And I walked up and uh, called him by his nickname, which is Bino. That's another long story. And I mentioned I loved his car and he tossed me the keys and let me take it for a drive, which was pretty cool because I'd never driven a 250. That was nice of him. But Duncan is is a prolific historic racer, of course, as you know. But going back to the Matras, I'm looking here at a lineup of the drivers that drove Matras. Uh, You talked about Pescarolo, Graham Hill, Francois Servais, Howden Ganley, Jean-Pierre Jobouli, yeah. Beltoy, Amon, uh, you know, Chris Amon, LaRousse, yeah. uh, Jean-Pierre Jarre, and Jackie Ix. I mean, there's a lineup of incredible drivers. Yeah, they, they had three very successful years, and they were in Formula One as well. But uh, basically, the, 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 the car, the Matra, is very much based around their Formula One engine. And um, yeah. it's, a, it's a very... Uh, rough sounding and very powerful and um and and and, and great engine uh, i love the the test and um, the whole when i tested it at, at lemong the bugatti track uh, people were stopping people were coming in they were making u-turns they were coming in to 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 have a look because that sound is 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 very much a, a french national symbol yeah uh, that's when the deep blue cars were were, were conquering at lemong and uh, if you know more the history and talk more, you know that Peugeot did also uh, win 92. They won again in uh, even in 2009. But it has been more German, British or Italian teams winning than French teams. But when the Matra engine is ignited and when you, when you are heading often with the ref counter going 11,000, 12,000, oh, it sounds uh, very, very good. Fascinating. Those blue cars are the Gatane's livery, right? Yes. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. The uh, I raced a '67 uh, Lola T290 sports racer in vintage racing that was a Gatane's livery car. So yeah. uh, I know the dancing Spanish lady well. Apparently, these were they were not very, probably not the most healthy things to smoke. But uh, they were there was. <laughs> That was straight fire into your mouth, I believe. I think so. You know, Matra, too, when I was in high school, I worked for a guy who was uh, imported Danish uh, teak furniture. Yeah. He tried to sneak. Remember the Matra Simca Bagheera, the center seat road car they made for a little while? It's a very rare car, never imported in the U.S. And he tried to sneak one in in a container full of Danish furniture to get it into the U.S. because they were blacklisted and uh, he didn't quite make it because it was leaking fluid uh, from the radiator. And when the inspectors opened the container to see, okay, it's just got furniture, one of them noticed this funny looking fluid coming out of the bottom and said, what is this? It looks like coolant. And sure enough, they made us come down and empty it. And I didn't know the car was hidden in there. And Sitting in the back was this bright yellow, I think it's Bagheera, Matra Simca Bagheera, center seat, kind of like the McLaren Formula One road car yeah, with the two side seats. Very unique car, but uh, sadly, they took that away from him. 
and uh, I probably ended up getting crushed or something like that. But I'd never seen anything like that before. So, yeah, another history you're bringing. You're bringing back some great <laughs> memories for me today, Tom. That's good. <laughs> Fun stuff. We're going to take one more short break. We come back. Let's mention your book and maybe another book. You mentioned one earlier about uh, the climber or the, the mountain uh, experience. Let's put it that way. So sit tight and we'll be right back. I'm honored to say that my charity of choice here at Cars yeah is Tech Force Foundation. They help young people find an education and career that aligns with their passions. For those who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands, a career as a professional automotive technician is the perfect fit for a fulfilling life. We're all wired differently, and not every successful career demands a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn more about how you can support tomorrow's driving force and workforce of technicians at techforce.org, like I do here at Cars Yeah. So obviously, I, I asked all my guests about a book. We're going to mention your book, of course, Mr. Lamont. I'll put a link on the show notes page for Tom. You regular listeners know where to find it. It's done, uh, published by my friends at Evro. They produce some incredible automotive books, and they brought me so many great authors. So Mr. Lamont is going to be listed on there. And the other book that you mentioned about that uh, very incredible uh, mountain incident, I'll put a list of that. Is there another book that you'd like to... To maybe mention here? Uh, I don't know, but I mean, I was, let's say, impressed about life. I mean, The Alchemist by uh, ah. Paolo Coelho. Yeah. That's, uh, I think now we, we talk a little bit about life wisdom and maybe a, a, a little bit. It's not, it's not what you get. It's what you have. It's a wonderful book. So I'll make sure I put those on Tom's show notes page. Okay, we're going to go on the ultimate drive here, Tom. This is kind of fun because I have a magic scepter, as I like to say. I can make anything happen. You can make people win Lamas, or I can bring people on the show that have won Lamas nine times. Holy cow. So here's the rules to the game, the fun of the game. You get to pick the vehicle. You get to pick the person that you're with. This could be somebody living or someone deceased. Who would it be and who's going to be driving, more importantly? I don't have to be driving, but I mean, I don't know. Normally, you would take a small local winding roads coming up through, uh, I don't know, through Spain, through Italy, through Portugal, something like that. Yes, uh, but not necessarily. If I'm not driving, um, I would love to make a, a long trip with, uh, let's say, with my family, making sure that we, we stop at the right places and we agree and that's probably why we will not be able to be successful, but where we agree having uh, our breaks along the along the way. We have three children. I will say if my daughter would drive, it will be uh, very fast, very efficient, uh, maybe also a bit scary. My <laughs> oldest son will probably be a bit more mature and a bit more calm and, and easy. And my younger son, yeah, he's far from a driver license yet, but... Uh, so we keep him out of the equation. Uh, but I think it has to be family related in that sense. There's a lot of, of course, very interesting people you would like to have on board. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, but uh, it will also maybe be nice at, at the different stations that maybe we can, we can swap them and we can have somebody else. I mean, you, are, you will, I would be happy to have you for a part of the, a part of the journey. Uh, sure, Mark. And uh, and here, um, 
uh, stories about something which I, it could be any theme, but something which I would, if it's talked with energy, if it's spoken with energy and it's spoken that, then I guess I could be interested in, in, in anything. But um, life experience, life stories uh, would, be, would, be, would be very welcome too. That's a wonderful thought you put in our minds there, a wonderful road trip with family. And what is it about daughters? I have a daughter and a son. My daughter is a lead foot. She likes to go fast. She drives a little Mini Cooper, and she just loves to go. My son, great driver. Uh, both the kids learned how to drive in our uh, 72 911S Porsche. I wanted them to drive, learn to drive a stick. And both of them, their first cars were stick shift manuals, so they could focus on the road and what they were doing. Exactly my theory. They have to have a stick uh, to drive uh, before they get, or when they get the driver license. So the first car has to be with that. Definitely manual, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But I, the, I mean, the, the daughter has always been like that. She she couldn't care less about racing when I was racing. It was yeah, yeah, dad is racing, and so what? That's fine. I all I agree with that. But then when sometimes when she had her birthday, I think it started when she was uh, nine or ten. She invited all her friends, and and she said, Dad. I would like to on today on my birthday that we go karting, and then she did that for some years, and she just completely killed the uh, the these uh, guests, and she just drove in circles around them, and and she was uh, a proud winner. So yeah, she's um, led foot, and also she's pretty de- determined, and uh, and probably in some ways that um, she has a little bit of my genes in 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 her. That's what I tease her with at least. Well, they always say when around the dinner table, you may think the kids aren't listening, but they are paying attention and they're hearing <laughs> what you're saying. So, Tom, you have taken us on an incredible journey today, my friend. I could talk to you for hours and hours. Uh, congratulations on a wonderful book, a fantastic book. Uh, all of you listeners out there who love anything about automobiles and motorsports, you need to have this on your library shelf. I'll make it very easy for you by going to Tom Shono's page and do a quick click to buy. Before I let you go, could you leave us with maybe a mantra, a success quote, or some parting words of wisdom and advice when it comes to life and cars and knowing how to fun have fun as you days do? Yeah, it it has to be fun. But I mean, the five P is always good. The five P, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yep. So yep. Uh, get on with it and enjoy. And I look forward to uh, to see you all, hopefully at a race meeting or at least at a car meeting or gathering uh, somewhere, if not only the United States, then somewhere in the in the world. Thank you very much, Mark. Well, you're welcome. Is there a way for people to keep up with you these days? Are you active in social media? Do you have a website or do we just need to find you at a track somewhere jumping in a car? I will be uh, my website or I follow on Instagram. So Tom Christensen underscore com. That's what I'm uh, where I'm at. If it's business related. Yeah, you can search search me at LinkedIn. But um, but apart from that, I hope you've listened to this uh, podcast. So thanks a lot, Mark. This has been fun. And a big shout out to our mutual friend, Judy Stropis, for introducing me to Tom. Judy brings some absolutely inspiring automotive enthusiasts here to Cars. Yeah, so Judy, thank you again. Tom, hey, thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, for bringing so much enjoyment to us racing fans for so many years. Oh, my gosh. It's just been incredible to follow your career. Kudos to you. Congratulations. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you either down the road or at a track somewhere. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. We all enjoy our racing. Yeah, and thanks to Judy as well. 
Thank you. Good day. You have a long day. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.